0: I love this conversation. I feel like I could have it forever. Forever and you know, never. No, these are good questions. It's just, I mean, it's a process. We could listen to this um, a year from now or two weeks from now and be like, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> but just want to be open to open to learning and to correction and to asking hard questions. Mm-hmm.
1: So you're hitting at the heart of why we even started this. I mean, that is the posture we want to keep forever and ever. I don't think we'll ever arrive at, at ethical storytelling. I think it'll be a pursuit that we're all—we're just gathering a tribe of people to keep on going after. Yeah. I'm Heidi Berkey, and I'm Rachel Goble. and this is the Ethical Storytelling Podcast. Boop, boop, boop. Gotta keep it fun. <laughs> Welcome to the Ethical Storytelling Podcast Storyteller Series. We're interviewing filmmakers, photographers, and writers in the NGO or impact space to learn how they apply or have failed at applying ethical storytelling in their work. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with my good friend, Ashley Gutierrez, the founder of Cliffco, an impact storytelling agency. Ashley uses visual storytelling to generate awareness around complex international issues, She's a filmmaker, a certified trauma-informed mental health recovery specialist, and a future mental health counselor.
0: I think there's such power, I keep harping on this, but like power in how and why we tell our stories. And so I just felt like a a huge responsibility as a filmmaker, I'm like, we're tapping in to the storytelling place and you can see pain and trauma. And grief arising in people that are being so open and courageous to let a near stranger into the space. I feel a greater responsibility to be able to hold that story.
1: We don't have all the answers, so please join us in this conversation. Well, let's start with something light and fun. Okay. Tell me about where on earth your name Cliff Coe came from. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh you know we hired this huge branding agency with this entire strategy plan behind it to really help um no i looked at my dog and i was like i really love my dog this name is cliff so let's call this thing cliff co
1: well fun fact i named a production company off a burger joint <laughs> you did yeah my film Jedi Junior High the feature one I did my co-director and I were sitting at a burger joint when we first conceived the idea and we knew we needed to create like release forms but we didn't have a official production company and we were literally at the counter the hamburger joint and we just looked at each other like counterproductions. It's just what we'll call it. And the next week we're like handing out release forms. Didn't even have an LLC yet. <laughs> and, like, and people were like, oh, are you like counter culturing? Like totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so amazing. Best that ideas. That's how it goes. Yeah. People, people have asked me like, oh yeah, like y'all are standing at the edge of a cliff because you're really adventurous and you're traveling. I'm
1: mm-hmm. like, yeah, Yeah. open okay. to interpretation, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, long um, before Clifco, you were working, I think you primarily have done your filmmaking with Invisible Children before that,
0: right? That's correct, yeah.
1: Obviously, you've journeyed a long way since even your work then, but one thing that I want to and not want to explore with you, because it's probably the thing that I struggle with wrapping my head around, but this idea of like white savior complex mm. and I know even invisible children got a lot more rap publicly because of the amount of success there were in views and and I know that was brought up a lot but I also feel like it was you know brought up in our circles a lot as we grew um in our advocacy work but I guess my my biggest question is really around is there room for westerners to be telling stories in other cultures or are we really just working out white savior complex like 100% of the time oh my gosh <laughs> 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 oh.
0: <sighs> don't we have like 5 hours to hash this out <laughs>
1: Well, we've got a podcast series that will keep going and going. I mean, this is what ethical storytelling <laughs> kind right. of stems from. Um,
0: I might just go off for a little bit. Yeah, I do it, girl. Try to work And try to work this out mm-hmm. and interject with me, help here. Help I will.
1: I wouldn't ask um, you any question that I'm not willing to yeah. explore myself.
0: It's such a good question, and it's so important to... To recognize and call to attention differences, we focus a lot on what is universal and what is, what is same, what is the same between us as human beings, trying to find it, trying to tap into that. And that is, I think, beautiful and, and an undercurrent of a lot of, of the stories I try to tell, because I think we focus too much on on differences and about what divides us and make things really divisive. And I could never understand, this is so different. And so tapping into what could be universal and asking those questions is important, but yet just as important in combating like um, colonialistic tendencies, I think, is finding that cultural specificity Mm -hmm. and being curious and assuming nothing and um really being open to whatever culture that you're in and there's an idealist in me that would want to say yeah it would be possible for anyone from any country to step into or even let's make it smaller than that anyone from any um culture group that they choose to identify with to step into another cultural group or subset and tell a story Mm. and join with that person that's my hope that's that's my hope but that comes with um I think there's like a great responsibility that comes with that because we all walk in with our context and our lenses and um it's how can we Um, as storytellers not with this white saverism not colonize and um, and dominate and come in with an agenda but say can you show me what I'm thinking too and this is another tangent but I'm very aware of like the power dynamics too within the the humanitarian world. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so another thing that comes to mind in like working in the humanitarian world is just like the power dynamics, and I want to be I want to be careful like with that language. I feel like I don't know how to express it well, so I'm not trying to say that one one group is more like powerful than other, but just, just having the awareness of, okay, I'm stepping into this, this culture where I know some people um, might respect, might have a certain standard about respecting guests and honoring guests that come into their home. And also I know this This family is receiving a small business loan from this organization that has hired me and this small business loan is allowing their family to thrive. So there's just some things like I'm connecting the dots, like, okay, tied to this organization and also within this culture, by and large, they like really respect guests. So Mm. I will go in not with asking a question like, hey, is it okay if I do this? Or is it okay if we capture this scene? Because there's, there probably will say yes, Mm -hmm. which is pushing um, a Western agenda and a Western lens and perpetuating like some some of this like power and this like colonial aspects that we're talking about Mm -hmm. where I'm more interested in like, okay, how would you do this? Can you show me like how you would do this and making it more collaborative? Um, just like that variance in questions, I think can open up to, to a different opportunity. Um, so for me, it's like having that awareness about what sort of, cultural associations you are stepping into but just as important as that it's so important like it's you can't stereotype it's like have an awareness but don't assume okay I'm walking into this culture and I know blah 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 that's just as dangerous as walking in without mm-hmm. any sort of knowledge so it's like have some awareness but don't stereotype be with that individual person and their Specificities and, and their truths. Like try to have awareness, but also assume nothing. And in that, I think you can be truly collaborative and maybe try to circumvent some of these power dynamics that in this like concept of like white saviorism that mm-hmm. that you brought
1: up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I- what do you think? <laughs> I look back at some of the ways that I approached stories and I really approached it more like a puppeteer trying to get someone to basically perform in a way that met the agenda or the visual I had of them. And I think the hardest thing that I've found as a storyteller is going in with all the pre-interviews I've done, with all the insight from the organization, on the individuals, meeting them, and it's almost impossible not to come to quick like solutions on how their story is unfolding and what it might look like. And the biggest challenge is when you're confronted with the fact that that is not it, working with the organization to let go of everything that was prepped beforehand and to follow where it's leading in that mm-hmm. moment. And finding ways that I need to cut myself out of the scenario like one one thing I think about um, is the last piece that I did was with the freedom story with Rachel Goble who runs this with me and we went in with with some assumptions and she knew the boys that we were filming with and it was really interesting because even with that they didn't their the way they were acting naturally the way they presented themselves just didn't connect with with the agenda that we had for the moment and also when it came down to interviewing them it was very much like their mentors said you know in Thai culture it's not easy to open up you want to present the best version of yourself and Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a challenge for you to get these boys to connect with you about their story because as a visitor they're going to want to appear well appear put together so we made a crazy decision in that moment and had their mentor interview them and I basically briefed him quickly on the things that I wanted to touch on and I was outside and we set up a Skype video so I could see them And I just took notes and then I had someone next to me translating and I completely let go of the one thing that I love doing about my job, first of all, and also the thing that I have like control over directing the story, right? Directing which way I direct them to talk about their story. And I completely let go of that. And we ended up with something I don't think that I could have gotten on my own. Hmm and also created a safe space for yeah. the boys by having their mentor it, like lead them in telling their story. Um, mm-hmm. But it was risky because <laughs> you have that one day and that one thing. But I think for me, it's finding those moments where even if I'm hired to do a job, it's recognizing when I'm in the way of mm-hmm. the story. Yeah, And also, Uh, One thing I'd love to get your thoughts on, but something I'm challenged with, and obviously I'm not as much making my living in um, nonprofit filmmaking anymore, but I'm starting to wonder if I should be spending as much time making films as I am raising up filmmakers and storytellers in the countries that I so often visit and film in so that that cultural understanding is innate and the storytellers are coming from within the country and that I think that challenge of like are we just exporting one more thing that could be done in country like what do you think about that yeah um should we be working ourselves out of a job
0: should we be working ourselves out of a job um I could talk myself both ways.
1: That. <laughs> me too, uh, which is why it makes me crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, our brains. Because in... Yeah, I think on one, one side of the coin, I mean, there's so many sides, but for the sake of this chat, it's like on one side, I kind of see where... There are, like what I was saying earlier with the nonprofit industry, time and time again, I meet people that don't want handouts. They want jobs and opportunities. And there are creatives in um, these countries that we have the privilege of going and working in, but they might not have the opportunities or the platforms or the technology or access to resources to be able to tell these stories that they are living and seeing and want so badly to be able to express and and share. And so if we can, if we have the opportunity to meet those people and collaborate with them, seek them out, then absolutely like that's so exciting to me. And I think something that our friends, um, Lindsay Branham from Novo does very, very well Mm -hmm. is finding, um, national talent and, and national creatives in the, in the countries that she's working in and being really collaborative and, um, like in the whole creative process. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think on the other side, it's, I would, and maybe this is like the naive I, idealistic in me, I would hope that no matter where we are in the world, if we have a means and an access to one another, I would hope that we could sit with one another and visit each other in a way that is honoring and dignifying. Um and an authentic exchange. i I would like to hope that, but I know that the road to hell is like paved with a bunch of good intentions. And so I say that really tentatively. Um, I think that just in media and in film, we need more diversity. We need more inclusion and more representation. and um more voices coming to the table. So I'm more excited about the idea of working ourselves out of a job mm-hmm. and collaborating and um, but also I can't shake that deep hope that I'm like, I hope we get it.
1: <laughs> yeah what do you think? How where have you come with your thoughts?? On that? I think it's a mix of both. Um, I think the reality is that for a lot of organizations, a lot of funding comes from the Western world. So there is an aspect that you bring as a, I'm speaking as a filmmaker from Western world, which not everyone um, who's a part of ethical storytelling is, but Mm -hmm. just speaking from my perspective, a lot of times the funding is coming from there. So it is a way of storytelling in a way that I understand people will hear and listen, like becoming almost an interpreter in a way. But that's also a challenge, I think. I respect a lot of organizations where they've started to build their funding locally. Um, And I have friends who ran a nonprofit in Costa Rica, and they, over time, made their goal to have it like 90% funded from in-country so they Mm -hmm. were you know their films were made for people in their country um I think I would like to see a world where that exists because I think that's where the power dynamic ends up coming in is because the funding is so dependent on people not from the local region and I know it's not possible everywhere it's uh, yeah I don't know this is where the the struggle comes in so I think in part I've found investing in, my friend runs film school Africa in South Africa, so like supporting her in raising up filmmakers there, Uh, finding at least like a local on every production, finding a local to hire as part of the crew so that, you know, the investments going out or finding people locally who you can teach and mentor and support Uh, I think is the direction that I like to go um, Mm -hmm. and try and pursue. And it's hard. Um, I've I've found that I'm just trying to do that even because most of my stuff has been a little different over the years, but finding women to mentor is that something I found in the field that I first wanted to focus on was was raising up more women and then internationally raising up more internationals um, through my work. And I think a lot of it just comes down to choosing to be a mentor and it's harder it's harder mm-hmm. to get things done and be productive and teach and film all at the same time but I also feel like because of the resources I've been giving that is something that I always want to be sharing so in every project like how am I sharing my experiences in some capacity
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I love that and I mean I just think too back to my own start in the industry. Mm-hmm. It was just a series of people saying yes to me mm-hmm. when absolutely they should have they on paper like they should have said no. Yeah. You know I
1: mean totally. And so
0: it's just I have fully um am on board with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like Okay, we can recognize that we're probably given some opportunities maybe before we were ready for them. But that's like the best way to learn. Yeah. And what a beautiful responsibility Mm to um, mentor and Mm -hmm. say and say yes, when it might mean, um, yeah, like you said, the project might take a little bit longer. It might be, quote unquote, more difficult. But to what's what's the end What's the end
1: goal mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and maybe in one way, I haven't done this myself, but one way to approach it is to every time you take on a project, ask an organization, like, who's a creative in the community, who we could involve in this, who would mm-hmm. benefit from learning from us being there and that we could teach along the way. Or, you know, for every package, be like, we want one day of training for your people on storytelling I I did that once where we did a a workshop, um, just simple camera workshop to empower their staff to be taking pictures, to learn how to, you know, gather stories so that it wasn't always dependent on us, you know, traveling and and communicating. So, I don't know, those are ways I'm just even thinking through now that I, I would probably approach my next project.
0: Again, yeah, it comes down to like asking better questions because we'll, we'll end up using, um, working with community members. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's like a, a community leader, um, usually we'll end up hiring them to be a part of our crew mm-hmm. and participate in production. But a better question yet is like, hey, do you know anyone in the community as a leader that is interested in this line of work Mm -hmm. or in film, in photography and um, yeah, being more intentional in that way. Yeah. It's a good, that's a good thought.
1: Well, even speaking of being more intentional, I mean, I love hearing your heart throughout the process. It's very much what's best for the person. How do we ask better questions? How do we take, Uh, step aside from assumptions or cultural norms that we're used to and approach the story and I'm wondering is that a lot of what drove you to pursue your masters in mental health and incorporate that into your work yeah (laughs)
0: Um, I think I mean I believe that like, storytelling as a public medium and force. Like, it is a force, and it is so powerful. Um, But I'm really interested in, like, I guess that intersection of public and, like, private storytelling and just storytelling in general, because I think the stories that we tell ourselves and tell other people have the ability to build us up or tear us down, build other people up or tear them down. Mm -hmm. And um, so often I think that we, there's even like a lack of awareness of like, how am I telling this story? Mm Do I like, do I like this story? Does this story serve me? And we get trapped or caught up in, we tell stories from like an emotional, an emotional place. Like our stories are driven by emotion and like these physiological effects in our body that we code as emotion. And it's like, Mm -hmm. wait, how? how is this story working or not working for me? And it's like stepping out from it because we can be so consumed, um, consumed by our experiences and for good, for valid, important reasons. But I'm interested in, in, it's like going in and then zooming out and, um, like wrestling with those stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think there's such power, I keep harping on this, but like power in how and why we tell our stories. And so I just felt like a, a huge responsibility as a filmmaker. I'm like, we're tapping in to the storytelling place and I can see pain and trauma
1: mm-hmm.
0: and grief arising in people that are being so open and courageous to let a near stranger into the space, I feel a greater responsibility to be able to hold that story Mm. and to be able to um, make sure that person, how can I say it? Like that person isn't traumatized, that mm-hmm. person, or traumatized in the process, or um, left in a state that is more damaging than when we came in. Mm-hmm. And so, in studying, getting a master's, it's like in in counseling and mental health, it's it's a lot of things. It's how can you come in in a trauma informed way and Hopefully not doing more damage. How can you come in with a collaborative posture? How, and then how can you maybe guide a process um, with that person you're sitting with to be like, how is this story in your life? How is this experience? Do you like it? Mm-hmm. Could we race and And asking questions in a way that maybe they end up restoring it themselves Mm -hmm. and just um, creating that space of of openness is something that I'm really, really excited by. Um, I think there is just how film can create such awareness and advocacy and, and help change and push systems and movements I think if you can do that on an individual level then that just will radiate outwards and so I'm very excited about sitting down working on like interpersonal storytelling with people
1: Mm -hmm. girl I love it I I'm always in firm belief that as powerful as storytelling can be on the receiving end that it should be just as powerful for those sharing it and it should be a healing process yeah yeah well folks that's our show for today thanks so much for listening you should really check out ashley's work at cliff.co when you're done with that go check out ethicalstorytelling.com for more resources and to subscribe to our mailing list and most of all tell your friends about ethical storytelling It's small and a labor of love, and we all do this because we do want to see change. So help us spread the word with your family and friends. Before we say goodbye, we want to say thank you to everyone that helped on the show this week. First, to you, the listeners, for tuning in. Lauren Ellis for web support, music by book for free, and a special thank you to Kyle Hara for producing and editing each episode. Okay, I think that's it. I feel like I hear an echo, so I'm sorry I don't have the setup you do. But I'm trying. Okay, bye.